you're listening to a message from Lifeway Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, please visit www.lifeway.church. Now, please enjoy this message from our pastor, Bruce Rhodes. Wow. I'm so excited. Empowered. So last week, uh, we got three weeks of, of, of Empowered. This week, I'm just going to kind of throw it out there, is talking about connecting. Uh, you can connect to the notes by going to lifeway.church forward slash 11 17 19. Today, we're going to talk about connecting with the power of God. This is an important message today. And so uh, last week, I kind of kicked it off with my personal testimony. I, I know I've said it sometimes, but <clears throat> again, it's, it's my testimony. This is what God did for me. Yours might be a little bit different, but listen, what, what's real to me, uh, uh, that, that experience conveys God's faithfulness and his working in my life. And I, I have tasted and seen how good God is. And that's where I'm speaking from. Now, I'm not asking you or suggesting to you to seek some experience. What I am is saying, let God be God in your life. And at 11 years old, I heard the voice of God. I, he gave me a vision and I surrendered. And I've been surrendered since. I've been hungry and growing hungrier since then. Now, there's times and seasons, yes, where, where it's been dry and I've kind of, you know, I was the one that kind of died down. God never, never relinquished his power or took it back or changed it, right? He never dialed it back. We're the ones that kind of get busy with life, the cares of this world, choke out the word. And, but when I was 11 in 1974, you do the math. I've just turned 56 a uh, couple of days ago. I confessed Jesus as my Savior. I had no idea what it meant to, to have Jesus as my Lord. And I didn't realize what happened to me. And I tried to be a good Christian as a teenager but I gave in to temptation. And, you know, I wasn't bad, but I wasn't uh, pure either. I, I gave in to temptation. But I, I did recognize one thing, that I needed power. I needed power. And so the Holy Spirit started speaking to me through different people in my life, through my aunt and uncle at that time. And, and I desperately wanted to obey God. But I knew that my willpower was not enough. I believe there are many people, maybe in here, maybe watching, uh, but I know absolutely in the world there are many people stuck in a cycle of sin and stuck in a cycle of addiction and stuck in a cycle of, of bitterness and hatred. You can see it. You can feel it. You can taste it in this world, this hatred. And there's a cycle, and they want to break that cycle, and they want to be free, and, and they're trying with all their might and all their willpower to do it, but it's just not working. And so we need, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to help us break free from the things of this world and the things of the enemy that try to weight us down and hold us back and throw us off and steal, kill, and destroy from our lives. Would you agree with that? This empowerment that we need is the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's so important to, to realize <laughs> what Jesus did to get us that power. I think sometimes we take it for granted. The power of the Holy Spirit. 
are we limited to, oh, just uh, the dead raising, the blind seeing, the lame walking. We want to see miracles. Jesus warned a generation that was looking for a sign and seeking after miracles, right, to validate that God is real, God is alive, and his power is for us. You remember that? And so I believe that the purpose of the power of God is for two things. Number one, to live like Jesus. And number two, to work like Jesus. So let's look at live first. Uh, We mentioned last week about how Jesus was led uh, in Luke 4. He was led up to the, the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. He was led by the Spirit. The devil didn't lead him up. The devil didn't lead Jesus. Think about that. Jesus didn't follow the devil. But he did follow the spirit up into this wilderness to be tempted. Now he had prepared himself to be tempted. Right? He was the living word of God, but he had to find out as a youngster who he was. And so uh, there, there was preparation before he got to that Temptation, that area of temptation, that wilderness. Uh, We saw that before he went to that temptation, he was baptized. And John baptized him and his father spoke from heaven. Uh, The Holy Spirit descended and he was filled with the Spirit. And if you look in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, Luke 4, I want to point this, this scripture out. It's very important that we remember how he entered this place of temptation. Luke chapter 4 and verse 1 says, Jesus, full, everybody say full, full of the Holy Spirit. He left the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So when he was tempted, he resisted temptation. He resisted it with the word. And he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. And he used the Old Testament. So we can, we can declare that the Old Testament has power. <laughs> Would you agree? If Jesus defeated the enemy in the wilderness, in in a place of temptation, that we can take any scripture that God gives, it's all breathed by God, in order to rebuke the devil. And so Jesus walked in power to resist temptation. In verse 14 of Luke 4, it says that Jesus returned. He returned to Galilee out of that place of temptation in the power of of the spirit. So if he returned if he went filled with the spirit and he returned in the power of the spirit, did he lose any of the power of the spirit? No. no. And as he was, so are we. He designed us to walk like he walked. He gave the Holy Spirit so that we could walk in that power to resist temptation and return always in the power of the spirit. We just have to take advantage of it, right? Write this down. We cannot overcome temptation with human willpower. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Then turn over to Romans chapter 8, verse 13. If you're looking on your notes, it's right there in front of you. So I'll just keep moving right along. They'll put it up on the screen for you. If you live according to the dictates of the flesh, this is the amplified version. If you live according to the dictates of the flesh, you will surely die. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit, 
You are habitually putting to death, making extinct and deadening the evil deeds prompted by the body. You shall really and genuinely live forever. Guys, this is a direct scripture that correlates exactly with what Jesus did. He put to death this desire in his flesh by the power of the Holy Spirit. He resisted the devil. The Bible says if we resist the devil, he flees from us. But we resist not in our own power, not in our own willpower, just because we want to. No, we resist in the power of the Spirit. We cannot overcome temptation with human willpower. We have to rely on the power of the Spirit. That's why we said last week, Ephesians 6.10 says, uh, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I would like to say we're not strong unless we're strong in the Lord and depending on His strength. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His power. That word might. There's power and there's authority in the Greek. And so we're strong only when we're in God. We don't have the power and authority and ability to resist the enemy in our own strength. This is why, this answers the question why Christians are falling. <laughs> some, some look at, like shocked, like, really? No, it's elementary. When you're not connected to the power source, the battery is going to wear down and wear out, and then it's going to be good for nothing. Same thing with us. If, we're not, if we don't stay connected to the power, if we don't get connected to the power in the first place or stay connected to the power in the second place, then we're surely going to fail. This is what the Word says in Romans 8.13. We just read it. And so to live like Jesus, we produce the fruit that Jesus produced. It, it has to deal with our character. We produce the character of Jesus from inward changes that the power of the Holy Spirit makes in our life. But we tend and have in the past tended to focus on the manifestations of the Spirit. And we forget at times that the fruit is the more excellent way. They're not mutually exclusive. We need both. Both. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31. We know that 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is the chapter that talks about the power gifts of the Spirit. Working of miracles, healings, signs and wonders. But we get down to verse 31 and it says, But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. The more excellent way is chapter 13. There was not a division there. So he... Paul's writing to the church at Corinth, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and he, he, he says the excellent way, and he goes right into love. He talks about love. So love is the more excellent way, and love develops the character of Jesus in us, and it only can happen through the power of the Holy Spirit. Being empowered by the Holy Spirit develops the character of Jesus in us. It makes us look like Jesus and act like Jesus. And then we run into another scripture in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, talking about love. I'm not going to go down in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You read that this week, but let's go over to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. Galatians 5, 22 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Notice that the word, it's, it's singular, fruit, not the fruits of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22 says, is love. 
And then it lists off joy, peace, forbearance. Some uh, translations say patience. Kindness. We should be so kind. Not a fake kindness. Kindness is powerful. I've done a couple of messages on kindness. It's powerful. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no natural law, right? So love is above. (laughs) Love is above. Love always wins. Love never loses. When we walk in love, we are displaying the power of God. The power of God and manifestation results in the love of God being demonstrated in our life. Would you agree with that? We live like Jesus because we love like Jesus. But it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit. If we don't operate in the power of God, we're going to operate in the power of the flesh. And you'll walk out of love every time. So the greatest display of the power of God in my life really is to manifest the character of Jesus. The gifts are for work. The gifts are for work. The fruit is for living. (laughs) We focus on the gifts because they're manifested outwardly. But guys, look at the character of the person that's working the gifts. If the, if, if, if the character doesn't measure up to the gifts, the gifts will wane. Wane or fade is another word for wane. These miracle workers outwardly, even Jesus talks about, hey, hey, these people are going to come to me at the end of time and say, hey, but I've cast out devils in your name. And he's going to say, well, I, I never knew you. It's not about casting out devils. Remember when Jesus empowered the 70 to go and do like he did? Raise the dead, cast out devils, heal the sick. They came back all excited. I worked miracles in your name. And he said, hey, don't rejoice because of the power worked through you. Rejoice that your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. Right? So again, the power is to live like Jesus and work like Jesus. But I don't want to focus on live first and then now let's focus on working like Jesus. Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do and even greater. But the gifts that Jesus operated in are gifts that we need to operate in. How do we operate in the gifts of the Spirit? We have to remain full of the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit. Staying full of the Spirit. Be being filled with the Spirit is the way that we work like Jesus worked. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to begin in verse 7, talking about the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's nine gifts and nine fruit. And so in verse 7 it begins, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. See, the gifts aren't given to you personally. For your profit only. The gifts are not selfish. They're given to you to flow through you to someone else's profit. They're to build up the body so that we can all go do the work of the ministry. 
So verse 8, to, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. And so God is, is wanting his body to flow with his gifts. That's why he empowers us to work like he works. But we also need to live like he lives, right? We don't want one without the other. But let's just be real that, that, that people in the past, and I'll just call us who we are charismatics in the past, have focused so much on the gifts that people have had a problem. We need to focus on character as much as we have focused on the gifts. It's not how, how loud you shout and how high you uh, jump when the Holy Spirit comes on you. It's how straight you walk when you come down. <laughs> right? So we're living like Jesus and working like Jesus all because of the power of Jesus in us. That he sent. And this power was sent to us through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts chapter 1. We're going to read verses 4 and 5. And again, I'm, I'm going to tell a little bit of my testimony when I was filled with the Holy Spirit. But I was so hungry as a teenager. I knew there was more power than I was experiencing. I knew that I needed power to resist the devil. But nobody was telling me about it. And really, it's, 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 a, it's who you're hanging around. <laughs> the Bible says, who you hang around is what you're going to become. So take, take, take heed who you're ha hanging around. Verse 4, Acts 1. On one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father that my father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so Jesus was empowering them with the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that they could go and be witnesses, not go witness. This is what we call witnessing. Do you know Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior? We're here to invite you to our church. And listen, really, those days are gone, guys. Those people don't open, they rarely open the door for anybody to come into their house. But Jesus is not talking about going on canvassing, knocking doors. He's talking about being a witness. And being a witness requires that you do something that so somebody can see. <laughs> they can identify who you are by what you do. It's the do. It's the ability. It's the power, the might, the efficiency to do. To do what Jesus wants us to do. So God's gift to us is the baptism with the Holy Spirit and it produces power. Luke 24, 49 says this. Jesus said this. I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in that city, that Jer city, Jerusalem, until you have been clothed 
with power from on high. In other words, don't leave until you receive. This baptism of the Holy Spirit is a subsequent experience. Meaning that this is not talking about when you're born again. It's a, a subsequent or secondary experience after you become born again. After I became born again at 11, it was eight years before I became filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was almost two years after I came in contact with the, the term, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because the church I was going to at the time just told me, nah, that's, that's really not anything that you need because that, that doesn't happen today. That's really not. And, and, you know, sometimes when you tell a teenager something that is untrue, they're going to prove you to be wrong. And that's where I was. I thought, hmm. And I had the Holy Spirit in me when this person told me, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 passed away. And in me, the Holy Spirit said, that's not true. So that sent me on a journey for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When we're born again, the Holy Spirit lives in our heart. Right? The Holy Spirit places us or fits us into the body of Christ when we believe and we confess our faith that Jesus is Lord. So the Holy Spirit is involved and He is in us. He is the third person of the Godhead and He lives in us. But there's another experience that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit where we are actually submersed in the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11 talks about this baptism. John, the baptizer, he went to the first Baptist church. I mean, the first, first Baptist church. <laughs> John, the baptizer. You know, he got it right. Here's what he said. I baptize you, Matthew 3.11. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Woo! <laughs> ah, we don't hear a lot about the fire. <laughs> we get nervous when they talk about the Holy Spirit, let alone fire. <laughs> but John, think about who said this. John said this. This wasn't even Jesus. John said this before Jesus came on the scene. And that word baptized there in the Greek means submerged or immersed, saturated, saturated. Any, anybody ever in here work at a fast food place? I had a job one time at a McDonald's. And I think I worked at Del Taco for about two weeks. I worked at IHOP too, flapping pancakes. Wherever you work, it doesn't matter what fast food place you work when you work with food you become saturated with that smell <laughs> right it gets in your clothes it gets up your nose i mean you go home and you smell if you work at ihop you're smelling pancakes like <laughs> for days after you work right Any, anybody can relate to that um it, it saturates you because you're in that environment. I mean, you take on eggs and bacon and you become a Big Mac. <laughs> you know, you're like an a, a enchilada. 
Chorito or whatever, you know, you smell like it. You're like, and if you really get enough, you're like, I'll never eat that food again. Right? But Jesus wants us and John wanted us to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, to be saturated, permeated, immersed with the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Acts chapter 1 and verse 5, Jesus said this, and we've quoted it before, but I want you to see it again because the word baptize is here. What does that word mean? Acts 1, 5, for John baptized with water, just like John said, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So Jesus was setting them up. He was preparing them to receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit. In Luke 11, Jesus also makes this statement in verse 13. He says, if you then being evil or sinful or have the uh, capacity to sin, right? You're a carnal man. If you're being carnal or evil, if you can sin, and yet you still know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit which is a good gift. Everybody say good gift. The Holy Spirit's a good gift to all those who ask Him. God's not going to withhold something from you. He's not in the business of withholding anything from you. And so the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an immersion in the third person of the Godhead that is reserved for us after salvation that's a gift from God. And we should ask. Now, there's three different accounts of uh, this baptism of the Holy Spirit that I want to point out to make this point. That there's different instances of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which means there's no formula. That's important to remember. There's no formula. Because people will try to tell you, oh, there's a formula. You got to do this, and you got to do this, and you got to do this. You got to repent. You, you got to dig back and repent for your grandfather, grandfather, grandfather's sins. You got to be pure. You got to be pure. You got to wear a white linen robe. Oh, that's not even scriptural. Come on. Let's stick with the Bible. Let's stick with the Bible. On the day of Pentecost, Acts 2, I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost fully came, they were all together in one place suddenly. Everybody say suddenly. Suddenly. They didn't know. Jesus didn't say, okay, at uh, 1030, the bird's going to land. No. He didn't tell them the time. He just said, go and wait, which requires obedience. It requires surrender. We're going to get to that in a few minutes. But suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, the Holy Spirit wasn't the wind. It was a manifestation. You don't have to hear the wind. Oh, the wind's not here. The Holy Spirit's not here. I'm surprised at how people can be so... I didn't say that. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. Oh, look at that hairdo. <laughs> verse 4 says, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. We're going to talk about tongues in a minute. Now, Jesus did not tell them to go up to that room until they started speaking with other tongues. He didn't say that. 
He said, go to Jerusalem and wait. Everybody say, wait. 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 I waited for two years, guys. I studied for two years. I was so ready, so ready to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I, oh, wow. I was just, it was amazing. So the second instance I want to point out is in Acts chapter 10, verse 44. All these are in the notes, so you can go back and look at them. I've got to go fast. Peter was preaching to Cornelius' household. And in Acts 10, verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, he was preaching a message, and you can read what he was preaching. But I'm going to pick up here, verse 44, while he was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who came with Peter that were standing around watching were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. How dare they? For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And then Peter said, hey, God called me to the Gentiles. Man, it made an uproar. I'm telling you, people were upset. The Jewish believers are like, the Gentiles, how dare they? They're not part of the church. Peter said, hey, let me tell you about the vision that God gave me. Remember, Peter was uh, the one that resisted Paul over this issue with Gentiles and Jewish believers. But listen, the Holy Spirit wants to unite everybody. And when he comes in the room, his power is greater than all of our power put together. That's why they, they yielded. They were... They were hanging on every word that Peter was preaching. And I believe he was talking about the Holy Spirit. Because you see a demonstration of what you talk about, what you minister. You see the demonstration. Jesus, when he taught and he healed, he probably talked about the healing power of God. So the third occasion in Acts chapter 19... Acts chapter 19, Paul, uh, I'll just read verse 1, Acts 19. Apollos was at Corinth. Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So it it was completely natural for him to ask them, did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believed? And look at their response. They answered, no, we haven't even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. That was like me between the years of 11 years old (laughs) and 19 years old. I hadn't even heard there's a Holy Spirit. Everybody called him a Holy Ghost. And we stayed away from the Holy Ghost. Because something might get on you that you don't want on you. (laughs) That's true. Spooky, kooky. People that play with the Holy Ghost, they don't go to our church. Just being real, guys. So these people said, no, we haven't even heard there's a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, so what baptism did you receive? John's baptism? And they replied, uh, John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. That's just what John said. He told people to believe in the one coming after him. That is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus... And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Now, there was, I believe there was some time between when he baptized them in the name of the Lord Jesus 
and he laid hands on them for them to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Right? Because you're not going to receive what you don't know about. What you're not hearing about. God always prepares. And there was a long period of preparation time in my life. And so there is no pressure on anybody. That's where we made another mistake. I said this last week. I'll probably say this this week and next week. We pressured people into receiving something they didn't even understand. I'm convinced that people get born again because they just get tired of people pounding them and dogging them. And like, okay, I'll pray that prayer. That's what happened to my father. And he told me that. My father, my very own earthly father told me that before he died. 20 years ago. He said, you know, I prayed just to get this person off of my back. But I didn't mean it. So somebody can know whether they prayed out of here or out of here. Right? It it doesn't say when you believe with your head. When you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth. Right? God's interested in the heart. He's not interested in the head. He wants all of you, not just a little part of you. And so let's talk about tongues for a minute. It's been the source of many debates and disagreements. And since we know this, we have to remember that we must stick with the scriptures. And we have to let scripture speak for itself. When the church started in the first century, it wasn't, it wasn't the point of disagreement. You can see because Paul asked those disciples, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? So somewhere we came to this place where we thought the gifts stopped. That's called cessationism for theological scholars, if you're listening. And maybe the baptism of the Holy Spirit didn't include everything that it did in the beginning. And that's a good point, because when we settle for less than all that God has, then we're willing to live our lives with less than full power. He wants us to be filled with power. Why would you accept anything less than full power? If, if you pulled your car up to the gas pump and God says, I want to fill your tank, you say, nah, don't go to that much trouble. Just put about 50% in there. Fill it up halfway. I'll be good with that. I got you. I'm not really needy. <laughs> I'm needy. Give me all you got. And if somebody, my neighbor doesn't want it, I'll take theirs too. I need power, guys. That's where I was in my life at 19. And that's where I am now at 56. Anybody in here who, don't need, who doesn't need power? I'm speaking all kinds of ways here. I need some more power. Say that to your neighbor. I need some more power. <laughs> but the, the church was not in disagreement about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't find that anywhere in the Bible. The, the disagreement came up. There was disagreement about Jew, uh, 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 Gentile Christians being circumcised. There was talk, uh, disagreement about um, uh, Gentiles even being a part of the church. But there wasn't any disagreement over the person of the Holy Spirit and whether, whether or not we should be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We all need the power of God in our life. The tongues is indication that there's an overflow, one indication that there's an overflow of the Spirit in your life. And we've had the tendency to major on that one outward manifestation and we miss the full impact of maintaining a Spirit-filled, empowered life. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 
There's other proofs that we need to be obvious in our life that we are filled with the Spirit of God. Spirit-filled Christians that claim that they're Spirit-filled should have the fruit of the Spirit manifesting in abundance, overflowing in their life. And so 1 Corinthians 13, 1 says, If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, then I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. There should also be an increase of love as well as the gifts. It's not either or. Now some people say, do you have to speak in another language? No, you get to speak in another language. <laughs> you get to. And it's awesome. I speak Italian. Parlo Italiano. Parliamo Italiano. Let's speak Italian. I can speak Italian because I studied Italian. But that's a language that I know because I taught my mind to speak it. Tongues is a language that you don't know. So you must rely on the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And so there's four types, and this is in your notes as well. There's four types of tongues. Tongues as a sign for believers. This is all scriptural. I'm going to give you the scripture here. As a sign for unbelievers, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 22. Tongues for interpretation, which is a public gift, public use. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 10. We talked about that earlier. And tongues for personal prayer. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14 and 15. And tongues for intercession. Romans 8, 26 and 28. 26 through 28. So the first two types of tongues are for public use. And the second two are for private use. And listen, we're not going to need tongues after we leave this earth. And so it's for only a short period of time, but it gives us an advantage in the spirit. It is a gift from God to give us an advantage in the spirit. So yes, we see it. Yes, we acknowledge it. Yes, we believe it. And so I'm going to give you three keys to connect to the power of God right here. This is not a formula. These are just principles. It happens differently in everyone's life. Just like salvation. Some people call on the name of the Lord and they shall be saved. There are people that are, they get down on their knees and they pray and they believe with their heart and they confess with their mouth. People that pray alone, people that pray with someone, people that pray with a group of people. And you know, each one of those salvation experiences are valid. Some people shudder under the power of God. Some people cry in repentance. Some people feel nothing. I mean, can you imagine? My daughter got born again when she was between three and four. She, she wasn't remorseful. She hadn't, she hadn't done any sin. She, she didn't know. I mean, I'm sure she committed some kind of sin, but it wasn't like she went out and stole money from the bank or something, Right? <laughs> She wasn't remorseful. So we're, again, we're not seeking an experience. We're seeking a person. A person. We ask to be filled with a person. First, 
key is to surrender. To surrender means we need to yield. It's like yielding when you get onto the highway. You're looking, you're looking for the gap to move in. You're looking, you're yielding, you're giving place, you're, mo- you're still moving, you're, yield- you're not sitting down, but you're yielding, you're moving, you're surrendering, you're re- relinquishing your power. That's what they did in the upper room. They relinquished their power. They waited in his presence. In his presence is where we encounter his power. The Holy Spirit wants to empower us, not overpower us. So he waits for us. We give him place. We surrender. Some may bow down. Some may raise their hands in surrender. The Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He doesn't force himself on us. He waits for us to surrender spirit, soul, and body. Guys, can I be real with you for just a moment? At different times of the day and different days of the week and different seasons in the year, it takes me longer or shorter period of time to surrender to God, depending on where I'm at, what I'm dealing with. There's, there's a thing called the, your mind, and you have to get your mind out of the way to hear the voice of God. Otherwise, you're going to be thinking, was that me? Was that God? Was that, was that the devil? Was that my friend? Was that... We need to practice waiting in his presence. How do you do that? You just pull up a chair. You get your Bible. Get a notepad because if he speaks to you, you need to write it down. And say, Lord, I'm just going to wait on you. If you give me one word, that's great. If you give me a paragraph, that's great. If you don't say anything but I love you, that's great too. I guarantee you, you wait long enough, you'll hear the voice of the Spirit of God saying, I love you. I love you. That's the first thing that he says. Second thing he says is, I've got a good plan for your life. We have to allow God to submerse us in his spirit. We have to allow his presence to permeate us, to saturate us until we smell like him. <laughs> and, it, it, and it gets in our clothes. And we identify with that. Oh, something different. Something I long for his presence. So, I'm pretty private. I've said this before, but the day that I decided I was going to get filled with the Holy Spirit, I was at a church in South Georgia. It was in Brunswick, Georgia. I forgot what year it was. Well, let's see. Uh, It was like I was between 19 and 20, so about uh, 1983, 80, yeah, somewhere, 82, 83. I'm in this church, and I'm really private. And so the time in the service at the end, come down front. If you want to have the elders lay hands on you and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, I had seen that happen before. I didn't want to fall out. I didn't want to shout. I didn't want to run around the church. I didn't, I just, I'm private. I'm quiet. Just, just let me go over to a corner, and, and I'll do this. But I didn't do that. I told the Lord as I was standing back there, When I get to my grandmother's house, she's not going to be there. I'm just hoping on the inside. If she's not there, I'm going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, somebody beside me says, do you want to go up? You know how people get real, they want to help you, especially if they know that you're not saved or filled with the Spirit. Oh, let's go help you. 
you don't think that you're putting pressure on people. You just want to be nice. Well, sometimes, you know. Anyway, I said, no, no, I got it. I got this. But I had already said, Lord, if I go, this is what going to. I went. My grandmother was not there. I walked into the spare bedroom. I laid down on the bed. And I just said, Lord, I need all that you have for me. I want you to fill me with everything you've got. And I fell back, and nobody told me to do this, but I pictured myself lifting my heart to heaven as high as I could get it. And when I did, I'm telling you, the power of God hit me and filled me. Now, I didn't fly up off the bed, but I thought in myself, because for two years I had been studying the person and the power of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I thought if somebody's baptized with the Holy Spirit, then they should speak. And so I began to speak, and what came out was not English. It sounded Chinese. And that's what the enemy said right away. That's Chinese. I'm like, well, I don't know it. So it's unknown to me. (laughs) That's an unknown language to me. Ha, ha, ha. And I just let it flow. And I'm telling you, it was, it was a glorious experience that a 19-year-old person had in the presence of God. I've never lost that. I've never lost that. It's not like you just misplace it somewhere. But you do have to, and next week we're going to talk about staying connected and stirring that up. Luke 24, 49, we, we quoted this earlier. But Jesus says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. There's some people that wait on the Holy Spirit. And that's the best place to be. Some people say, well, I've been waiting on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. My advice is keep in that waiting place. But... There's another thing called faith that we're going to get to in a minute. But I don't, I don't want to move too fast because people get disappointed when they don't receive when they think that they should have received. And they think this, well, I'm not good enough. So they quit waiting. And Jesus didn't say, guys, when you go to Jerusalem on Tuesday at 2 p.m., the Holy Spirit's going to show up. He said, go and wait. So surrender is number one. Wait, 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 wait. I think too many times we rush into the throne room, we do a Z-snap and say, God, give it to me now. And if it doesn't happen, then we get disappointed. Well, so-and-so told me I could do that, and I had all power and all authority. And I want this, and I need this, and I want it now. That doesn't sound too surrendered to me. Surrender brings a humble attitude. Lord, I need what you have. And I'm willing to wait here all day long. I think there's a lot of pride and arrogance associated with power and authority under the guise of power and authority. Like you're going to tell 
the God of creation what to do and when to do it? Really? People get frustrated and leave the faith because it doesn't happen the way they want it to. This is another sermon for another day. Let me, let me go into point two. Ask. After surrender, ask. Ask to be filled. But ask in faith. Because James says when we ask in faith, we will receive. If we doubt not. Because if, it, if you're doubting, you're like a double-minded person. Unstable in all his ways. That's in James chapter 1. And that's where I was for a good part of that two years. Mm, maybe. Mm, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. Luke chapter 11, verse 13. We read this before. Jesus said, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is a promise from Jesus. These words are written in red. Jesus does not lie. He's not going back on his word. God gave it. He doesn't take it back. He gave the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it is for you. It's for you. It's for every one of us. For power to live right and power to do the works that Jesus commissioned us to do. And it's a gift from God to me. And I have to acknowledge it. I need to ask for it in order to be filled. But I must ask in faith. And I didn't understand what faith was. I, I just knew I needed power. And so for two years, I kept hearing the word of God. And every time I heard the word of God about the Holy Spirit, faith would come and I would back off and faith would come and I would back off and faith would come because I was alone. Nobody, held, nobody took my hand and held and, 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 and walked me through this process. Number three, we have to believe and accept. In order to take a gift... We have to believe and accept. If he's giving it, I believe it, and then I have to do something about it. I intended to bring a $20 bill out in my hand, and right now I was going to say, hey, I've got this gift that I want to give to somebody. But I don't have it, so this illustration is not going to work. But you can imagine, if I had... A $20 bill, who would be the first one to get up enough belief and faith and nerve to come and grab it out of my hand? Right? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll get you. (laughs) I do have a 20. (laughs) But somebody raised their hand. Guys, hey, this is real. God said, here it is. Come, take it. You have to believe and accept it. You have to believe and accept it. It doesn't just happen because you're in the building. No more than someone gets saved because they walk in a church. You're not, you're not saved because you walk in the church. Just like you're, 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 you know, you're not a boat if you stand up under the shelter beside the lake. That doesn't make you a boat. No more than walking in a garage and standing there makes you a car. Right? But God has a gift for you, and you have to flip the switch of faith. You have to choose to do something. Faith is to act, act on what God has said. And so they went to the upper room, and they obeyed Jesus, and they were there, and they waited. They switched the, the switch of faith on. You have to say, thank you. I accept that. 
And if you don't say thank you when someone gives you a gift, guess what? You dishonor the gift giver. We don't want to dishonor God. But there are so many people that get up to that, that edge and say, uh, I'm not worthy. It's not based on your worthiness. No more than salvation was based on your worthiness. Jesus gave it to you to live victorious in this life. To have the the power of God at your disposal. So that you can resist the devil and he'll flee. So that you can put on the full armor of God and be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And yes, so that you can operate in the gifts of the spirit. And pray in the spirit. But we have to honor the gift giver by receiving the gift. I receive the gift. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I receive it. Some people say, well, I want to be filled with the power, but I don't want to speak in tongues. Well, where does that statement come from? Is it all about you and what you want? Or is it uh, the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that you can flow with the Holy Spirit? This is like we tell God how we want, we want him to do it. Oh, but I want part of this, but I don't want that part. Our, our position is to surrender, to ask, to believe, and accept it. And then begin to thank him. And in the middle of that, don't be surprised if you start speaking in a language that you don't understand because his spirit flowing through us changes us from the inside out every part of us spirit, soul, and body now at this point there's a couple of questions most obvious are you born again? I suspect that everybody in here is but I don't want to assume and I, I dare say if you were standing up here in my place, you wouldn't want to assume either. And so that's why every week we ask, are you born again? Somebody may be watching, still watching at the end of this and say, you know, I need to follow Jesus. I need to take that next step and believe in him and confess him with my mouth and declare his lordship in my life. And so then the next question is, are you filled with the Holy Spirit since you believed? If not, why not? And hey, today is a good day. Today's the best day to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Next week, we're going to talk about being refilled with the Holy Spirit. Empowered and empowered and empowered, just like you charge up, your, hope you charge up your phone every, every so often, or it's useless to you. So let's bow our head and close our eyes, and I'm going to ask this question. If, if you're the one that needs to make a decision for Jesus then you do that. If you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we're going to give you an opportunity to come and be prayed for. If those that are praying today would just take your place. Listen, nobody is going to force you to do anything. Why? Because God never forced us to do anything. It was always freely and willingly. God is a perfect gentleman. In the sense that he leads us and doesn't push us. So if you're here today or you're watching today and you need Jesus. Make the decision in your heart and we're going to make this confession with our mouth. It's that 
simple, but it will change your life. Be ready. It will change your life forever in the best way possible. If you're making this decision today, it is the best decision that you've made in your life up to this point. If you haven't made this decision, I'm asking you, please consider and decide today to make Jesus your Lord. Let's pray this together. Heavenly Father. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast. If you'd like to join us in reaching others by partnering with us today, you can give online by visiting us on our website at lifeway.church forward slash give. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this.